Hi, listeners. Before we get to the episode, I want to take a moment to address the June 24th Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, a decision that stripped away the legal right to have a safe and legal abortion. Restricting access to comprehensive reproductive health care, including abortion, threatens the health and independence of all Americans, a decision that could also lead to the loss of other rights. To learn more about what you can do to help, go to podvoices.help, P-O-D-V-O-I-C-E-S dot help. We encourage you to speak up, take care, and spread the word. Thank you. Welcome to Explorers Wanted. We are a weekly Numenera actual play podcast, except for this week, when we are a Stealing Stories for the Devil podcast. I will be your humble and gentle and kind GM, Uwu, Daniel Anderlich. With me today is Samson Davis. Thanks to the Uwu that gets me every time. I'm just like, Uwu. And Alex Finn. I mean, do you want him to say RAR? Back to when I was, you know, spamming people with that song? <laughs> No, you know, it, it's, it's rough either way. Yeah, yeah, it is rough. Stay's going to be with us tonight. She is currently involved in an active firefight, we think. We're not 100% sure. We thought we heard gunfire, but she also said it was just another day at the office. So Chase is too amazing for us. Yeah. She's fine, by the way, in all seriousness. She's fine. She's fine. Yes, she is fine. Woe betide anyone that actually attempts to mess with Stace. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> she will annihilate you. Yeah. Stace is my hero. We have a new patron. Fred has become a new patron for us this month. Uh, thank you so much, Fred, for your support. You can find him in our Discord as Fred as well. I know he's just started. He's in the middle of the second season right now. So, Fred, when you eventually get here, thank you so much for your support. Yeah. Thank you, Fred. Hi, Fred. Thank you, Fred. Speaking of other people that give us money, what do you have in your dice for, Samson? Uh, die Hard Dice. I, I guess, yeah, they're the ones that give us money that they get from you because you, listener, you want to go to your nearest internet device, look up Die Hard Dice, and you're going to see all these beautiful dice that they make. Metal, acrylic, another substance, maybe. I don't know. Regardless, they're beautiful dice. They're absolutely worth the money, and they roll so well. They have such satisfying clunks when they're metal. Acrylic doesn't clunk. It shouldn't clunk. You check on that if it's clunking. And if you want some of this high quality, crazy cool dice, just use our code Explorers One and you get 10% off your order. You're getting high quality dice for a little bit cheaper and you're supporting the show. So that's just a gr- overall good thing for you to do for us. Thank you. So we don't have to worry about what happened last time because this is a one shot, but I will explain what's happening. Stealing Stories for the Devil is a game by Monty Cook Games, a company that we happen to be fond of, obviously. And this game is designed as a, they advertise it as no prep. There's a little bit of prep. Let's be honest. There's just a little bit of prep, but not much. So in this game, our players will play people who are either from or descended from people in the 36th century, who are multiversal travelers on an experimental ship. Unfortunately, when the ship had to make an emergency trip home, a trip that took centuries, 
they ended up after 400 years back in the 21st century over Earth. Some of the people on the ship are sleepers and have been in stasis those hundreds of years, waking up to discover they're in the wrong place. Some of the people, the scions, are many generations later from when that emergency happened, people that grew up within the confines of the ship. Both sets, because of their connection to the ship and because the ship has been twisting reality, they've all developed in combination with the technology built into their systems, the ability to lie to reality in different ways, something that will hopefully be useful to them in the adventure ahead. There's also different kinds of liars in this game, different abilities that they can lie to change reality. There are some limitations. We'll talk about those in game as it comes up. But outside of those limitations, lies always work. There's just risk associated with them. We have plotters who lie to the past. We have schemers who lie to people. And we have planners who lie to objects and locations. Let's start with our scion. Samson, tell us about your character. All right. So Taro is a planner. When a planner lies to an object and or place, for example, to get through a locked door, I can easily determine before I have basically touched it, touched the door, fucked with the door in any way, I can say that, oh, that lock is old and busted and easily breakable, and then it just is. Mm -hmm. But if I've already fucked with it, and I've already seen that it's locked and it's a good lock, then I can't change that. Yeah, liars can't change anything to be inconsistent with their own perceptions. Yeah. Taro, I think... I mean, I've just met Taro for first time in like 15 minutes. Taro, I think, is a part of, is a kind of in a scion faction on this ship that was once the engineering crew or the repair or maintenance mm. or something like that. And now they are, I guess, artists that are kind of slowly picking the ship apart to make their art. So he's like kind of in like a art commune, I guess, on the ship. And he's kind of a, he's a big guy i don't know how the centuries have affected his humanoid form but bigger guy you tell me um oh i get to tell you okay i'm gonna say taro is a rather large person like almost seven feet tall like super wide very thick in arms and legs and his skin is i almost want to call it like elephant skin but it's like darker almost are you describing taro the vegetable <laughs> no <laughs> i'm sorry i had to ask look i i just came up with this guy like a few minutes ago samson's got a google image search on right now and he's just thinking like vegetable but person vegetable but person <laughs> no i only googled taro because i wanted to make sure that there wasn't any like thing problematic with the name that's i just wanted to check no okay. it's a delicious flavor i love baked goods with taro flavoring and it's purple that's a very kind thing for you to say about my character I love the way your character tastes. <laughs> I will spit out my drink. Yep. Thank you. But yeah, uh, big, super thick, elephant-like skin in texture, very you know tough skin, but uh, I think darker, almost like a purplish black. He almost looks like a burnt marshmallow in that sense. Ooh, yeah. Okay. I like that. I think slightly luminescent orange eyes. Ooh. They, they obviously can't light up anything. And but they kind of show up in the dark if you know where to look. Like those cats. Um is it Scottish wolves that have orange eyes? Maybe. I don't know. Okay, I take this. What about our sleeper? Alex, tell us about your character. Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. So 
I chose the sleeper schemer, and the schemer is the one who lies to other people rather than objects. So let's say there's somebody with a key. I'm going to lie to them and say, you know what, it'd be a really good idea if you just open that door. And just because I let the intrusive thoughts win, I named my character White Lotus because like the entire plot of these schemers, planners, etc. sounds like a fucking villain from the stories I read. Mm-hmm. And so I embraced that idea and I made a White Lotus green tea bitch. Okay, cool. What does White Lotus look like? White Lotus is tall, slender, female, with long, luxurious black hair. And here's the part where I was just like, I don't know how to describe this because like sleepers are filled with like their your eyes are filled with artificial cells that activate when you lie to reality. So I kind of want to say that like the artificial cells in her eyes, like when she lies, her eyes go just like full black because she has very dark brown eyes. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And it's just like that demon mode in the original Charmed TV show, where it's just like, Mm. boom. Yeah. Because I thought that'd be super cool. Very cool. She's also wearing a party dress. Like a pink party dress. So, you were each dealt three mission cards. Let me explain what mission cards are. Mission cards are something that you can play during the game. The game is divided into three acts. That's only important because there are some cards that have a restriction on which act they can be played in. It's your ability to twist the story like a player intrusion. So you have up to three times that if you can find an appropriate situation for it, you can change the story. So you guys have mission cards. Playing those cards is important because I also have cards. Oh, fuck. I have up to six twists and a turn that I can play. The total number of mission cards and twists and turns that were played during the course of the game determines what you guys get awarded for story points to use in advancement at the end of the mission. Okay. So there's a big incentive to use them if you can. But we don't have to. We're not... You don't have to. The game will work without it. Just spending those, your opportunity to kind of twist and bend the story, and same thing with my ability to twist the story, depending on how many times I play a twist... Because that ups the ante, that affects that means that you'll come out of the adventure with more story points that you can use to advance. And then just a question as a player, how closely can these cards kind of be played with each other? Like if you give a twist, they could be all played at the same time if you want. Okay, so if you like have a twist and I have a card that like basically counteracts it in my favor, I can I can do that if I want to. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you absolutely Excellent. can. All right. There's no limit to the amount of mission cards or twists that can be applied at the same time. Gotcha. They could all happen in the same scene, although that would be weird narratively. No, yeah, I figured it'd be a, it wouldn't play well, but I just want to know what I can do. Mm-hmm. Other things you guys should know, in addition to those cards, for different abilities that these guys have, which they picked like traits that they're good at, skills that they have, they have detriments, things that are you know could potentially affect them. For those traits that they're good at, that increases the size of the die they'll roll. By default, most things that these guys try to do will be rolling a d6, but either because they have traits or because they're helping each other, they might have either an additional size or an additional die to roll and take the better result, or they might have a smaller die if it's related to one of their character detriments. This game also, just so everybody knows, including the listeners going in, this game also has a system for partial successes. So whenever you guys have a thing that you have to roll dice for, 
I will tell you what the range is. Up until the third act, the range will be between two numbers. If you hit one of those two numbers, it's an almost success or a partial success. If you exceed those numbers, you succeed. If you're below those numbers, things get rough. All right. Which is why there's an incentive to use the things that you get to use a higher dice for, because there are some incredibly difficult things that if you want to do them, they might be outside of the range of what your dice are able to perform. Mm -hmm. So White Lotus and Taro. Taro, you have been awake your whole life here. For the most part, you've just worked inside the ship, but you know there has been more activity of late. No one seems to know exactly what goes on, but you know that there's some issue with zones of improbability. You've heard that mentioned in rumors, and you've heard of teams leaving and teams coming back, but nobody seems to know what they did while they were there, and the teams are very quiet about it. But you have received a summit from the ship, the Celeste AI, to join in the briefing room. And as you come in there, you encounter White Lotus, a sleeper, relatively newly awakened. White Lotus, you woke up expecting this to be an emergency trip back to the 36th century Earth, and you're now in the past. You've been awake for maybe at most a couple of weeks, trying to kind of get your grips on what's going on. And the Celeste has summoned you to this briefing room. And as you guys come in and sit down, the Celeste begins speaking and says, You have been selected for a critical mission. We have detected a zone of improbability that has the potential to distort and break reality. Your mission is to identify the key object and retrieve it, the thing that is causing this zone of improbability. If you get it, retrieve it, and bring it back here, reality should return to normal. Otherwise, disaster may arise. While we have multiple teams working on various zones of improbability, we only have the resources to send one team to a given location at a time. You will be operating alone for the duration of your mission. Do you understand? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. So separate? He's got his own, I got his own. Yeah. Nope, you guys will be working together. But you said separate. The other teams will not be with you. You will be a two-person team. Yeah, because we're a team. Yeah. (laughs) We have detected the zones of improbability around a private hospital called Hosper. And she puts up a label that says Hosper, like as it should be the first part of hospital, and then it should be ER, but instead it's just an R. They've dropped the the E, the vowel. So it's like, found it during the dot-com boom. (laughs) This private hospital has been in existence for roughly 30 years. Hosper is a private hospital, and there have been, unfortunately, multiple sightings of formerly deceased patients and workers there and it's building up a reputation as haunted. Normally we would ignore something like this except the anomalies appear to be real memories or visions of these individuals going about their daily work. One thing that we have been able to determine is that this hospital also has a research portion of the lab that seems to be the source of the instability. We believe the item that it is related to is very small. And they bring up research that shows like this item is probably at most like two centimeters at most, probably less than that, more like a centimeter at most in width and length. This size is just a rough approximation. And they bring up the display to kind of show you all their extrapolations. And 
What do you guys conclude looking at that? What does it look like that item is in a hospital? Excuse me while I try to think of things that are smaller than a centimeter or two. Oh, I know. Right? Well, like, you want it in a hospital that's centimeter sized? And it's also in whatever looks like a research lab for the hospital. Oh, then you want probably a vial cap? Mm. Okay. Or like the cap to a syringe? Yeah. Oh my god, a pipette! Okay. Yep, so it's a pipette. Yes, exactly. A pipette is what we believe it to be. Now, things that we have noticed about this hospital, it is a private hospital, it is expensive to attend, but they do have a financial aid program for people going through economic distress. However, we have noticed that the hospital has unusually high security. There seems to be quite an active security force. And while they are talking, they bring a schematic of what they've been able to pull through for the hospital. And you guys tell me, what does that schematic tell you? Oh, shit. Is this in celebration of RE4 being remastered? (laughs) Listeners, what I've just shared with them is a map from Stealing Stories of the Devil of the Hospital. There's a biohazard lab. And they did say a research lab was very suspicious. And I mean, going into too much real-world knowledge, they've got quite a couple suites in here, and I'm wondering how many, you know, subs they have. Let me see. Enhance. I almost deliberately made the object a pharmaceutical in honor of your job, Alex, but I <laughs> decided to let you guys decide. Well, I'm looking at it, and I'm, like, looking in there, and I'm like, oh, they've got clean rooms? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they've got the sticky mats and the line to step over. Mm-hmm. And, like, single access to the suites? Mm-hmm. These are well-designed. That's awesome here. Montica Games, if you're listening, that's Alex's feedback to your hospital <laughs> diagram. In the book. These are good GMP practices. This game, by the way, comes with a huge stack of maps that you can use improvisationally based off of what you figure out in the briefing. Really? Yeah. Like, it's insane. For the purpose of the podcast, so I didn't have to scramble, I decided that it was going to be this map to start Right, with. right. And you've got EHS-compliant hallways mm-hmm. next to the manufacturing area. Mm-hmm. And that is a reasonable location for the nurses' station. Mm-hmm. As someone who frequents hospitals. <laughs> so I guess the first thing I'm noticing about this, and I may have been writing something down in my notebook, so I don't know if I was fully paying attention, but the thing that sticks out to me about this is that the second floor of the biohazards lab is somewhat isolated, and there's a direct path to the recovery ward from the biohazards lab. Dun, 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 that seems a little sus to me, or a little convenient, maybe. That is interesting. We had not considered that before. Was that not... Was that not the right answer? No, it's the right answer. There does appear to be the the door, though, to the biohazard lab there seems to have, as far as we can tell from the more detailed schematics, much more complex security. Well, and it's a one-way door into the recovery ward from the biohazard wing. And the stairs! That's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does anything strike you about this beyond that that would be helpful to your mission? I mean, you could tell me, like, this This briefing is a dialogue between us. Oh. Between me and you guys, we will flesh out what's the reality of this hospital. It's weird that the security station is so close to the operating rooms, rather than having a re- security area near the entrance. We had noticed that they had put a number of specific human patrol schedules around the operating room area, which we thought was odd. Well, normally there's like a little security room right next to the entrance to be like, mm, right next to reception, but 
They definitely have guards posted near the entrance, but the security office they keep towards the operating rooms. They seem to be focused on the operating rooms. They have regularly somebody assigned to reception or the emergency department. And then also they maintain a large number of guards that stand around the recovery ward, as far as we can tell. Where is the main entrance? The main entrance is by reception or near the emergency department. Oh, oh, okay. Why is maintenance so big? We have not been able to determine that. We know that there is a substantial amount of healthcare equipment in the hospital that does need to be maintained. But But usually those are outsourced because they need to be certified by external sources. Exactly. They typically use vendors for that. We are not sure what the rest of maintenance is using that space for. We were only able to access the public plans of the facility. We were not able to access any deeper detail of the facility. What you see now are the labels we have been able to reconstruct based off of what we've been able to survey. Never ask me to analyze a building. (laughs) This is what happens. Alex knows too much. I'm in too deep. Is there a basement floor? Or is this in Texas? There is a basement. We weren't able to find any plans indicating what the extent of the basement is. We know that there is stairway access to the basement. As far as we can tell, elevator access is non-existent to the basement. However, we do know that there is at least one OR and one room in the recovery ward that appear to never be occupied by patients, as linear as we can tell from hacked records. Hmm. It's possible that there may be some other way to get down to the basement from that. Do you know anything about the, um, the people running the hospital? Yes, the CEO of the hospital is named Priscilla Ward. She has led that hospital for at least the last 10 years. That was a major change in management and ownership at that point. She has a background in both health administration and business administration. No official medical degree. She mostly focuses on the business side of things. But we are able to find that she operates with a committee internally, uh, a combination of both administrators and some of her hand-picked surgeons to represent the healthcare workers. She does have a clinical representative from the nursing staff, but they're often, from what we can tell, overruled by the surgeons. All right. They're currently operating at 80% capacity for beds. Without their meeting this program, which requires significant certification to get the financial aid, only people who can afford the private rates of this hospital can access its services. And unfortunately, it is not a Medicare or Medicaid-approved provider, so it requires private insurance to access it, and it is significantly more expensive. Okay. Uh, is there anything else we need to establish from this map? It's up to you guys. What What do you guys see? And it can't. It doesn't have to be on the sheet, by the way. Like this briefing is a big opportunity. This is your biggest chance to set something up in your favor before the mission begins. Okay. Okay. Do we have aerial footage of what is the terrace that is connected to the biolabs? Yes. The terrace we thought was interesting. It is a structure out there that seems to be incongruous with the rest of that area. It is a verdant collection of plant life arranged almost like a garden. 
However, we have noticed that it is extremely rare for a staff member to exit out of the terrace. The door to the terrace seems reinforced and there are no windows from the terrace into the building. Obviously, it's up to your team, but what would you like to take as an approach? Prize FDA inspection from the state? No, we're a state inspection because we've found that their chemicals are leaking into the local water supply from the biohazard lab. Taro just kind of nods along like, yeah, that sounds like something that would get us in. Okay. Okay. So you approach this deception. In that case, you can find wardrobe choices in the next room. And then following that, we will commence sending you to your destination. As you're leaving the conference room, you notice something just out of the corner of your eye before the conference room door shuts. In one corner of the room, shadowy, that you were convinced was empty when you were first in there. For just a moment, you think you see, in those shadows, a dark figure sitting in a chair, as if they were listening to the entire briefing. Oh no. And then you go into the wardrobe room. What are you guys going to wear for this mission? Taro, for sure, is going to pick up, like, a kind of very sci-fi kind of like a second skin disguise thing to hide his like purple very unhuman looking skin i imagine though the texture mm-hmm. can't be like a disguise so it looks like caucasian skin with like some sort of crazy skin disease and his face also kind of looks like a latex mask that doesn't quite align i was gonna say it's like your entire body now essentially like a, a mike myers mask yeah but like kind of a good one but also it's it's just tipping over into Uncanny Valley, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the eyes are still orange and luminescent, so he's got sunglasses on, and I think big old suit and tie. He wouldn't recognize it as such, but basically like a business suit, and I think uh, Alex's character is going to be kind of the lead on a lot of social situations here, so he's just got that look of like someone White Lotus would call her assistant, and maybe he does assist with paperwork, but that's not really his assistance. He looks like he's her muscle, basically. And what does White Lotus dress herself in? White Lotus is sticking with the pink party dress, but on top of it, she's putting a suit coat and a reflective vest and a hard hat. Oh. So by party dress, what do you mean? Pink party dress? Um, kind of like a pink cocktail dress. Oh, so you're definitely going like short skirt, long jacket, like full on. Yes. With nails that gleam like justice? Yes. I understand this is not EHS compliant because you should never go into manufacturing areas wearing skirts because, I don't know, my raw leg will be hit by a tote or something, but (laughs) it's a man's world, so women wear skirts to look professional. All right, cool. Do you guys dress? And where you are, just as you finish dressing, the Celeste says, and we are sending... And the next thing you guys know, you are standing on the sidewalk about a block away from an impressive hospital. All sorts of greenery surrounding it. It has the sign that says Hosper, which is both ridiculous in the sense that it is both dot-com startup, as well as having a little bit like when you shorten the hospital, it almost sounds like hospice, so it doesn't sound great. Seems like a bad marketing move, but they, the building is very impressive, so clearly they have money backing them. What do you guys do? This is the beginning of Act 2. Oh, shit. Act 2. Oh, shit? Oh, shit. For how long are we going to remain polite? Let's figure that out. I mean, define polite. Well, Sybil, maybe, because I, if I were a receptionist and 
White Lotus came in saying like, hey, I'm from the EPA. And then I saw her with like in like a pink cocktail dress and then like a long coat or whatever the fuck. I would think, oh, she just came from like a party or something and was not expecting to work today. But she has her hazard on. No, yeah, she probably had it in her car, but like otherwise she is yeah. in like pink, right? So like, does this woman yes. have a short use? Like, is it Wednesday? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what I mean by like, how do we give the receptionist like one chance? Yeah. I mean, they're, it's up to you guys. I mean, they're, you guys, as you approach the hospital, you can see through the, it's a glass, like automatically opening door. And there seems to be a young man working the reception desk. I guess White Lotus briskly walks up to the desk mm-hmm. and kind of signals to the receptionist get their attention yes hello my name is white lotus i'm with the state's governing board we've been alerted that your company is leaking toxic chemicals above the allowed rate into the water system so we're here to do an inspection that doesn't sound like us uh did you have anything scheduled i don't see anything on my sheet well this is a surprise inspection or else it wouldn't be much of a surprise okay um well i should probably call my manager Unless someone's going to try to lie. I feel like that's not reasonable within the scope where it's just like, no, we want a manager here to like escort us into the back so we don't get stopped by security. Mm, Okay. So he picks up the phone and he says, just a moment. And he dials a number and kind of speaks quietly into the receiver. And then he hangs up and says, just a moment, one of our managers will be right down. If you'd like, you can have a seat right over there. And he points to some chairs. I will have to inform you if your manager cannot be present within 30 minutes. We'll have to continue on the inspection on our own. They'll be right down. I would say for sure Taro doesn't sit down. He just kind of goes over by where White Lotus sits down and then just looms. He's just going to be looming for a little bit Mm -hmm. here. That's fair. White Lotus sits poised like she's meant to be here. She's in charge. She's doing everything she should. She should have every like thing given to her a moment later somebody comes down it's a man in a looks like a very cheap suit and as you look closer it might be something where it's like you know because he has the shirt and tie the jacket doesn't match the pants though which would normally be like a sport jacket but you got the impression that it doesn't quite match but you don't it, it's not distinct enough to distinguish it it looks like it's just a suit made of mismatched pieces mm, a clearance special he comes over and looks at you guys and says, Hi, yes, um, Michael Michaels. Uh, how can I help you? <laughs> We're here to do an emergency surprise inspection because we've been alerted that unfortunately your company is leaking above allowed toxic chemicals into the local water supply. I assume you have some sort of ID that I can review to verify you are. Don't worry, you don't need to see that. And then she is lying. <laughs> She's using deception there. That puts you up to a D8. That's the two pyramids kissing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or butt buddies? Yeah. So are you lying to do this? Yeah, because you do need to see ID if someone demands to come into your building. Okay. I don't fucking know so, who they think I am. How are you going to lie to him in a way that makes him forsake that level of protocol? He doesn't need to see this. It's just so obvious. Look at White Lotus. Yeah. Come on. Look at me. I am in official outfit. Okay. So this is going to be very hard. So your hurdle is a seven to eight, which means that you need to get at least a seven or an eight to get a partial success. Mm. 
you need to somehow beat an eight, which you can't do right now, unless you've got something that will help you that way. She's charming, and she's skilled in deception and disguise. Okay, so charming and charming and skilled in deception. Disguise won't apply. What that means is that you will roll two additional d8s. Oh, God. And you will take the highest roll among them. So we have three chances to get in seven to eight. Mm-hmm. Seven to eight is an almost, so it could be a partial success or it could be a close success. Okay. Depending on what makes sense in the story. Let me just check one thing. Sorry, I'm trying to decide if I want to use one of my cards. Mm-hmm. Because two of them could apply. That's up to you. Samson, do I sit on these cards or just say, no, it's fine? I think you should uh, use them if you got an idea for them. Okay, then I want to use my mission card. This is my wheelhouse. Mm. If you can justify that success in the scene in question pertains to your core nature, you will automatically succeed, assuming it's possible. Okay, so that is good news for you. Because in this case, since a lie always works, what you have been rolling against is the risk to get an injury die. Spending that card means that you automatically succeed on your attempt to avoid getting an injury die from the stress related to that lie. Ooh, hell yeah. All right, I guess. Um, right this way, he starts leading you down the hall and past the OR. The OR is very busy in here. There's lots of people hurriedly moving between rooms. There are displays outside the rooms that are clearly like little live screens. Some of them indicate whether there are x-rays going on or if a laser is in use, those things. And as you go past those, he starts leading you to what you would remember on the map as being sort of that first floor lab. And he goes over and he swipes a card near the entrance and the first door opens he motions you in it is sort of like an airlock when the other door closes he uses his card again to open the second door and leads you into the lab you see a lab that looks relatively innocuous actually you know it has all the things you would expect in like a hospital lab there are a few like things that are less about like sort of standard blood work and things like that that are They look like they might be more advanced, but on the whole, this looks like a relatively plain processing area. He says, like, feel free to inspect our biohazard lab. Let me know if you find anything, because I'd certainly like to address it if there is a problem. But where are you disposing of your hazardous materials? The incinerator. All of them? Well, hazardous materials should be disposed of that way, yes. And do you have all the SDSs related to your hazardous materials? Certainly, I can have the lab supervisor bring that binder over. That'd be great, because we're going to need to see all of those. And we're also going to need to inspect the incinerator. Now, where would that be? The incinerator is on the far side of the lab. You'll be able to see it just fine. And where does it vent to? We have a special unit of chimneys that leads it out of the building, strictly out the rooftop. And can one of your facilities teams take us to the rooftop to show us the venting system? I suppose that can be arranged, yes. While this conversation is happening, Taro is going to just kind of very Terminator-esque, like walk around the lab while she's having the conversation and visually inspect and also look for the pipette. Mm -hmm. Because I think this whole time, White Lotus is just barraging him with these questions, like cutting off his dialogue and just trying to override him with like technical know-how of chemicals and stuff like that. And 
Yeah, for sure. He's looking at you and, and trying to answer to the best of his ability. He's actually, you know, for somebody that's in management, he's fairly knowledgeable about what they have. Probably worked himself up. Yeah, he's very good about it. He's actually got a notepad out and he's jotting down any of your questions that he can't answer so that he can direct them to the lab supervisor when you guys go to talk to him. So these are the things that we need to follow up on that I can't answer off the fly. He's actually like pretty efficient and seems to be pretty focused on doing the job. Haro, as you're walking along, you're not seeing anything that looks out of place here. But as you're walking along looking at things, you notice one of the sample tubes looks like a blood sample being moved from like one little holded container to the next. And when you look up, the person that's moving it looks like they are translucent. They're wearing healthcare gear. They're currently wearing all isolation stuff. They've got like a face shield and a mask underneath. They're translucent. And then they look up and they seem to look at you. You feel like your eyes meet. You feel those, see those eyes almost focus on you and then they disappear. Two questions. Most pertinent one, in this particular room, is there any other people besides me or is it just me and that translucent figure for a second? There are one or two lab workers that are dressed, but none of them are looking up when it happens. Both of them are currently like looking down either at computer screens or looking through a microscope. Okay. Do I know what I just saw? Like, do I know what that phenomena was? Well, I mean, it was consistent with the briefing that people were seeing what they thought were ghosts. Okay, so that was that was the ghost. Okay. And then second question, when or if we eventually find this key object, will we know or will there be an obvious indication or do we just kind of have to get close and guess? Yeah, it will stick out to you. It's not like you're going to have to do like needle in a haystack kind of okay, thing. Cool. Like when you see it as part of being from the Celeste, so not part of this improbability zone, when you see it, you'll know it. But probably nobody that's a civilian in this area would know it. Okay, cool. Then for sure that blood thing is not the uh, not the thing we're looking for. But Taro is, again, feigning inspection, is going to walk around, <laughs> loom over one of the workers for like a minute or two, and then move on and then look at the uh, blood vial that was manipulated and just see what information is on there, if it's at all relevant, or was that if that was just a ghost sighting. Okay. okay. It has a patient name on it. And I'm going to play a twist. As Taro is moving over, trying to look like he's expecting things, his feet slip out and accidentally hit one of the stands. And one shelf of blood samples lands on the ground and shatters. Oops. Basically destroying essentially like six blood samples. And everybody turns and looks at Taro. I for sure need to lie here, but I don't know how to lie like this yet. Okay. Does Taro need to speak out loud for this lie to take effect? You'll speak out loud for the purposes of the audio medium. It does need to be something that in-game that you're lying about. Then Taro is going to make a lie and say that things that the shelves are hanging on are old and rusty and prone to just falling out of the concrete or the whatever the wall's made out of. At least in-game, Taro's not going to say that until he is seen inspecting, like, the holes where the shelf was hanging from. Mm -hmm. The lie will work. It will become that. Mm -hmm. That's old, that maybe it's been an issue for a while. Your hurdle's going to be a five or six. So what die roll are you basing this on? Do you have anything that can increase your die size from a D6? (sighs) 
could I argue for metallurgy and say that the screws or any metal bits have kind of rusted out or corroded in some way? Sure. Right. Sure. That brings you up to a D8. Five, six, you said? Be a five to six. Nope, that's a three. Okay. The lie works, but people seem to be kind of surprised by that. This lab worker is like looking at you and like, sir, did you do this? This is a problem. You've destroyed samples. We're going to have to poke patients again to get these samples. You've delayed the procedure. Who are you? Why are you even here? I am inspecting and I will do my job and you do yours. My job involves ensuring that this facility is up to snuff and these shelves are not up to snuff. And then Taro just kind of grabs a shelf that's already like that's still hanging and then just like easily pulls it out and then kind of like surprises himself and then like gently puts it down on the counter okay so i think given that you have the prop there to work with i don't think you need to roll for the deception there however i should say that because you failed your roll <laughs> during the slide you feel just the littlest amount of blood trickling out your nose from the stress of that lot and you're going to take an injury die what does that mean what do i do so an injury die means that going forward until you somehow remove that injury die, you might be able to do it through like 10 minutes of quiet meditation or something like that. But until that point, whenever you roll, you will also roll this other D10, this injury die. Anytime it comes up on a 10, it removes one of the successes that you rolled. Oh, interesting. So D10 injury on just mental skill checks, basically? No, now affects you for all checks. All checks. Lovely, lovely. It just means that it might be possible for you to get rid of it through meditation. Okay. All right. But you need like 10 minutes of uninterrupted for that. All right. Yeah. Then I guess <laughs> uh, Taro, somewhat flustered, will again put that shelf down on the counter and then turn around and walk away. Yeah. And then just yeah. continue his inspection of the biohazards lab. Thanks for the help. And then you can hear the mother's breath douchebag and he goes and gets some cleaning supplies too clean up the immediate blood spill and calls to his other co-worker and says, Hey, Brian, um, we'll need to call facilities to come in here and do a full sterilization, but I'm at least going to mop up the worst of it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I imagine also at this time, like in the background of white lotuses and Michael Michael's, uh, conversation, you just see like a weirdly bloody taro, just kind of move across the hallway into the next room with just no explanation. <laughs> yeah. love that with his weird, like, Mike Myers mask flesh. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of a lumbering step too. Like he walks like an elephant would walk if they were human, if that makes sense. Does he do the head tilt, like the creepy head tilt? Oh, I think. No, I think with this latex skin, he actually has like a Michael Keaton Batman effect where he can't like fully turn his neck. Oh, okay. Okay. So there's been this really embarrassing moment for Tarot, and he's just kind of gone on while they're starting to clean up the mess. And Michael Michaels is like, so um, I'll get the lab supervisor and uh, you know, hopefully we can help you out. And he, he leaves for a second, brings back the lab supervisor. Young woman, maybe in her early 30s, short, dark hair and wise. And she comes over and she's like, yes, I understand you had some questions about the lab. I'm happy to help however I can. So as my colleague has just demonstrated, you don't seem to have a very thorough risk assessment in your area containing hazardous materials. I'm concerned now that you may have needed more than an incinerator per report showing the leakage in the groundwater. It's certainly concerning. We had not seen that that was a problem, which is something I'm going to be following up on. But 
if you would like, we do do regular maintenance reports on all of our machinery. I'm not sure how that could have been missed, but I'm happy to pull the records for you. Well, little do some people know that if you can mix certain non-hazardous materials together when dumping them down the drain, they can become hazardous later in the pipeline. I suppose that would be true. Yes. So we'll need to see every area where you dump any sort of chemical. All right. Yeah, we can show you all the disposal units. They're not far from the incinerator. We try to keep it all together as much as possible. Even for the medical waste from the hospital facilities? That doesn't seem very safe. Well, those go to the incinerator, but to get to the... It's in a similar location for disposal, but there is... There's still a, you know, hermetic seal between the two locations. All right, and we've been notified that you have a basement facility as well. When will we be able to tour these? Well, the basement isn't connected to the lab. Maybe, Michael, maybe you can help with that. Well, I'll certainly ask who's the best person. As far as I know, that space is really not being used. It's really dealing with, you know, piping and things like that. There's no rooms designated. Well, you never know where a leak can occur. So after we tour this first floor and the second floor of your biohazard labs, we'd also like to see the basement. Okay. I'm going to play a twist. Oh, fuck. Oh, shit. They look confused. What do you mean? There's no second floor to our biohazard lab. Are you saying that you have two separate labs? There's there's no lab on the second floor. All of our research happens here on the first floor. Well, in the blueprints registered with the state, you have a lab on the second floor. Stairs going up to that lab. Well, that must have been in the original plans, but Michael Michaels and the lab manager look at each other and like, but as far as we know, there's... Nothing there but a few additional offices. It was never fully built out as a lab, as far as we know. After we tour them, we'll make sure to correct the blueprints with the state. Sure, sure. You know, obviously, for second floor, we have a slightly different clearance unit, but I'm I'm happy to get somebody who can escort you to the second floor. That would be great. I'm sure my associate Taro will continue doing his risk assessment in this lab until someone's here to escort us to the second floor. Isn't that right, Taro? Could he maybe just stay put so he doesn't knock anything down? I'm sorry. I can't interfere with his risk assessment duties. Are you lying? (laughs) Feels like a lie to me. I know. Deception. You You could try just rolling deception. Or you could lie and be guaranteed that it works, but you risk injury. Well, question. What? With this, her wording, I feel like a lawyer should fucking love this game, but her wording, she can't interfere with his risk assessment. Wouldn't that lie affect her? Isn't that against the rules? Today in court, I would like to argue that. Well, (laughs) because her risk assessment is completely a fabrication. If she just wants to convince him that that makes sense, that it would, that would be a problem. Okay. Then I think in this case, it would be allowed. So you could essentially, like, you could roll deception, see if you get it, or you could do the full-on lie, get a guaranteed success, but then you risk taking damage if you roll poorly. I feel like her charming traits would help with this deception. Yeah, so you could say that you've got 3d8 to try to succeed. You need to, this is going to be a 5 to 6 threshold. I got an 8, a 7, and a 5. How's that, Daniel? (laughs) You definitely succeed. Because you succeed, he is going to say, yeah, absolutely, um, we can, we understand that he needs to do that. Just, if he could just be careful. He just motions to the lab surface, just like, help him out, make sure he doesn't bump into anything, let him know if he's getting too close to a shelf or something. And she runs over and does that. 
<laughs> Given his size, he's all close to a shelf. Yeah, there are like several times she has to reach out and like touch your shoulder and be like, you know, no, careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taro will complete, just look through each room looking for the key object. And then once. Yeah, he doesn't see it. Uh, then he'll return to Miss Lotus and say, satisfactory. Mm. I think at that point, White Lotus is pretending to inspect the incinerator. But yeah, Michael Michaels is like, this way, and he shows you the incinerator. It's what you would expect. Whatever's within compliance. I don't know. Although it is very fancy. It has a touchscreen control for opening the incinerator door. And it seems to have maybe a fingerprint scanner on it. Mm-hmm. One thing that you know is that there's sort of strange piping here. There's one that's clearly like what you would expect in terms of exhaust. But there's also sort of a weird circular pipe that seems to lead into the exhaust coming from above. Leads into the exhaust like it's mm-hmm. feeding into going it. Going up and going. Or feeding off of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, feeding, feeding into it and then going up. Okay. You think. I'm sorry, but what is this pipe for? I don't recognize it as being standard to this model. Michael Michaels looks at it and he narrows his eyes and says, You know, I'm not sure. But we could get somebody from facilities to help answer that question. And he jots it down in his notepad. This pipe, is there any, like, identifying mark? Is it a strange color? Does it have a strange seam or shape to it or material? It looks like the same material, but it also looks like it's newer. Newer. Not like newer as in yesterday, but just like it's slightly newer. There's part of it that doesn't have quite the same level of use. It doesn't look like it's brand new but it's definitely newer than the rest of the structure. Using metallurgy, can I guesstimate and see if this pipe is perhaps less than 10 years old while the incinerator is 10 years plus? I think given that you have a skill in that, I would say that you could conclude quite quickly it's like at least 10 years less than the rest of the equipment here. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Tara <laughs> will kind of tell White Lotus that, but kind of try to disguise it like inspecting jargon like newer pipe uh, less than 10 years old how old is this incinerator nickel michaels uh this incinerator as far as i know it was replaced about 15 years ago just to bring it up the old one of course wasn't up to snuff after 15 years so snuff yeah but yeah it was replaced about 15 years ago it's due for replacement again it's still operating within acceptable ranges so but we put it into our budget plan for next year and who has clearance to um, access this incinerator? And while he's saying this, Taro will very brazenly try his own fingerprint on the thing. Okay. Are you trying to lie to make your fingerprint accepted? Uh, no, no. Ah, uh, ooh. Wait, hold on. I didn't think about that. Just because I have a skill called Stoic Diffusion, I would like to try to lie about this. So your lie will work. So you're going to have your fingerprint scan as approved. Your random fingerprint on the top of the line security system think you're trying to be a five or six to avoid an injury die. You've already got an injury die, so remember to roll that with this. But I can use my sewing confusion skill with this? Yes, so you'll be rolling a d8. That's a five on the d8 and a one on the d10? Good or bad? One is okay, as long as you don't roll a ten. Okay, so you get an almost. Mm -hmm. There is a lot of stress involved with it. It accepts your scan which looks very suspicious. But one thing you feel is that pain in your head intensify. You don't get an additional injury die, but you feel like 
there is a greater risk in some of your future roles trying to do this. Like, trying to push this lie to that point might even reduce your die amount. Oh, fuck. Okay. But it's not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. You just feel as if your die rolls in the future will get harder. Ah, shit. All right. Okay. Uh, So, yeah, Taro's doing this, and I imagine he asked that question, and the thing, like, dings cleared as Michael Michaels is answering who has clearance. Oh, my God. That's that's a serious problem. And he kind of looks around clearly, like, surprised and in, like, frustration and anger. Like, he's not... Not in the way of, like, they saw this, but in, like, clearly, like, who the fuck let this happen? Mm -hmm. And he says, get somebody from IT down here immediately. And somebody, just a random lab tech sees it, is the person he yells it to, and they run over to a phone to call up. And Taro just shakes his head at a white lotus, like, it's a good thing we're here. Taro. Hey. You hear a strange sound. The malfunction with your fingerprint. I'm playing a twist here. Oh, shit. It did approve it, but now there seems to be a system glitch. The incinerator opened for the fingerprint, and you can see a countdown to it igniting, but the door isn't closing. And you see the timer go, three, two, one. Please make a five to six roll to attempt to avoid the damage from the fire shooting out of this thing. I love this. Can I do something else instead of dodge the damage? You're going to duck, dodge, dive, or dodge? What would you propose? I would like to put... uh, Taro will put himself between everybody else and the open incinerator and try to, I guess, block the incineration that comes out. Oh, shit. I'm trying to uh, capitalize on my tough trait. Okay, so that means you could roll a d8. Guess it would. A 10, because that's still a thing. Uh, fuck. Two on the d8 oh, no? and nine on the d10. Okay, so take another injury dice. So now you'll be rolling 2d10. If any one of them never put the 10, it reduces the number of successes you have. <laughs> As this fire hits you, and Michael Michaels, like, screams, like, Oh my god, are you okay? And he, like, kind of pushes you off to the side. Oh my god, I'm so, we we should move away from this location if it's this dangerous. Unacceptable. I'm I'm aware I will be calling a meeting with facilities as soon as I get back to my desk and can schedule the meeting. I think we're gonna have to shut you down. I'm not sure you have the authority to completely shut us down at this point. Well, the lab area, yes, because you've just had a very active injury. And we're gonna have to call in some other people. Yeah, I have no interest in running this area. Until we resolve the problem. Totally agreed there. And anything else that relies on this incinerator, which, as that pipe shows, is above. Ooh. So you have a choice. You could roll a deception as a D8, or you could lie to get a guarantee, but then you risk damage. I think we're going to do a deception again. I like this fun deception. Okay, so it's a D8. He's kind of bought in. So this is a 5 to 6. 1 D8 or multiples? Uh, you only get 1 D8. Can I argue my injury as a second D8? So, do you have anything in Deception? Do I? No. Okay, so that means Alex will get to roll a D8 and a D6 and use whichever one is higher. So I got a 3 on the D8 and a 6 on the 6. Okay, so that's an almost. And so he looks at you and says, well, we'll definitely 
talk about it. Like I said, there's nothing directly above here. But once again, I don't have clearance to go to that floor. So I'm afraid I'll have to get my colleague from second floor management to come and meet with you. Do you have a burn kit while we're at it? Certainly. First aid is there. And then if you need to, there's also the emergency room down the hall. Although your friend doesn't seem more than just poorly singed. But if you're wrong, sir, we're happy to help cover your medical expenses from this hospital. Where is the burn kit located? Oh, right there on the other side of the wall. The there's We keep that there in just in case of the incinerator. Damn, we can't dig them on that. <laughs> it's a fun fact of where you need to lay out these first aid kits. Anyway, so... I feel like I'm fencing with Alex right now. I, I, feel, like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm watching a fencing match. <laughs> like, <laughs> you two just nerding out on like weird hospital details. <laughs> I guess White Lotus, while they're getting the higher-ups, is gonna start going through the burn kit, pretending like she's inspecting that, and she's gonna do, quote-unquote, burn like treatment on Taro and pretend like pretend like he's injured. I think for sure you see that um, his like real skin, unaffected, he's not injured by just a little burst of fire. His latex skin, probably on his back, that's been burnt and singed and somewhat fucked up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's trying to cover that with the burn kit. Okay. So are you trying Ooh. to do some sort of healing? How many people are in this lab and what's the size of this medical kit? <laughs> the medical kit is clearly designed for like an emergency of one person. Is there a first aid kit anywhere nearby? Yeah. Do we need to call a lawyer for this episode? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have to have a certain size first aid kit, depending on the number of people within the lab, and it needs to be within, like, walking distance of them. OSHA. If we can make this a 10-minute, like, meditative thing, like, Taro is just kind of standing there while White Lotus is administering aid, I would like to do that if I could. It's definitely going to take over 10 minutes for that other person to come down. Lovely. I think we're using that as like, wait, I don't think I, yeah, use that as like a sneaky healing opportunity with me as a distraction. Do it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can remove one damage die. Thank you. White Lotus is also distracting other people from looking too closely by saying, um, do you have anything to clean up this mess, like a spill kit or, you know, hazardous All this melted flesh. (laughs) Yes. Please ignore the fact that it, you know, looks like melted plastic. (laughs) Do you have a heat gun so we can kind of reshape this back into place? Yeah. (laughs) A hair dryer? (gasps) Oh, no. I'm going to need you to get me a new um, hazard vest for it. My colleague, Taro, because look at how melted it is. How will we alert people without it? So could you get me a hazard vest? Yes, we can do that. And he motions to somebody to go get him a hazard vest. Do we have anything else you need to do? Uh, no, I think we're- After about 10 minutes, the other supervisor comes down. It's a woman with uh, roughly like shoulder-length blonde hair and bangs. She introduces herself as Brittany Michaels, and then she says, no relation. (laughs) Just a fun coincidence. Yes. So I'm going to need you to take us upstairs to the area above this, because I'm afraid with this horrible malfunction of your one singular disposal area for hazardous material, I think you're going to have to shut down these labs. Well, we only have the one lab down here, but, you know, I'm happy to take you upstairs and show you around. Well, then where does this pipe go? And she points to the suspicious pipe. 
I think that came from a legacy location, but, you know, I'm happy to look at it with you. Yeah, we're going to have to trace this pipe up to the next location because, for all we know, hazardous material has been collecting that area and you could all be in grave danger. I mean, this is fact. If this is like leaking into a sealed room, God help us all. So they lead you upstairs and they go to the door like, this should be uh, the offices that you're looking for. And she swipes her card and the door shows up with a not allowed clearance. See, that's suspicious. Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's a glitch. She waves her card by it a couple times and it says not allowed. And she says, um, hold on, let me get somebody. No, it will work a third time. How is that going to be the case? Just, um, just Ooh, an intuitive leap. I got, I got this. Just an intuitive leap. Um, Lie to me, Samson. Lie no, so I, good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm trying to do. And I'm just... Okay, so this sometimes happens when you have your, your um, credit cards with the chip that you have to, like, rub it, and then it'll work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, it will work a third time after you rub the dust off of it. Ooh. Okay, so... I think that's going to be a five to six roll for you, Samson, to try to avoid injury. Don't forget to roll your injury down. Uh-huh. Can the charming help him? Actually, you know what? This is probably an average task at this point, because that does sound like a reasonable, like, crazy thing to happen. Yeah. So I think it's a three to four as you're hurting. Okay. I'm basing it off of my mom's credit card experience. where. And because um, White Lotus is helping you, you'll roll 2d6 and the d10. Uh-huh. See what happens. And the D10. Thank you, White Lotus. Uh, oh, gotta. I made her as a bitchy character, but somehow she's helpful. This is horrible. Four on a one of the D6s and five. Nope, that's a two on the D10. And that's a two on the other D6. Okay, okay. So you get to almost. Um, so your lie works. You will not take another injury die, but you definitely feel like a little bit disoriented. So I would like you to write down as a temporary detriment, Dizzy. Uh Uh-oh. All right. So she swipes her card a third time, and the door blinks green and unlocks. And she leads you to, this should just be offices. And then she walks in, and you do see, like, this place looks like a little bit like an abandoned lab to some degree. But I also think you guys notice that there are some rooms that seem to be more secure than others. And... You notice that there is a picture on the wall of a pipette. Huh. And when you go closer, you can see it says Director Ward's favorite pipette. And at this point, I'm going to play the turn. Brittany Michael says, Oh, yeah, strangest story, but um, our CEO had that uh, melted down and used as one of her teeth fillings. <laughs> I'm sorry, what now? It melted down and used as one of her teeth fillings. Um, on the 15-year anniversary of the hospital. It was weird, but it's kind of a cool gesture. And you look at that and realize that the item you guys need to retrieve is in the mouth of the hospital CEO. And, Taro, it's at that point that you notice across the room a tiny red light starts slowly blinking. And that's where we'll end this episode. Well, shit. I'm sorry, we might have to on that depending on, like, how this works. Can you use glass in a filling? Depends if it's being used for a medical reason or a cosmetic reason. Or okay. if you're rich. Because I was like, the only other pipe tap I'm worried about, I know about is plastic. So I was just like... Yeah. Yeah. Alex, something about this episode. I just loved how, for once, I'm like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I can be helpful. 
<laughs> Watch me strong arm the GM. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, we have a segment that we do each week called Player Intrusions. That's where we offer you, listener, an XP to check out something that we think you'd really dig. This week it is Samson's turn. Samson, what would you offer our listeners an XP to check out? Uh, for my Player Intrusion, I would like to recommend people check out Yakuza 0. The Yakuza games are long-running-ish. I think the first Yakuza game came out on PlayStation 2. But these are these are super interesting games that should not work on paper because it's yes. one of these games that, like, the joy of it for most people is, like, the side stuff that they really shouldn't care about. And I don't know how, like, I heard it described, and I kind of agree with this after playing it for a little bit. I haven't finished Yakuza 0, by the way, because there's there's a lot of game, and I really want to, like, yeah, I really want to savor this one, because this might be the only Yakuza game I ever play, because... Oh, no, you should get Like a Dragon. No, yeah, I guess I could. I'm playing on Xbox Game Pass. So, by the way, if you guys have X- Xbox Game Pass, like, they're all free on there right now. All all the Yakuza games. On paper, it's like a brawler business manager kind of thing. It's doing a thousand different things and somehow making it all work just from sheer audacity. So, basically, you are playing, at least in this first game, uh, a guy named Kiryu and a guy named Majima. You're kind of switching between two different characters. Ostensibly, the main story is, like, mafia politics shenanigans there's like a property stuff happening i don't really know what's i haven't really been following it but the side quests are so fun because it's like the main quest is all this like serious like mafiosa shit and then you like go into the streets of camaracho and it's then you like get caught up in this cult thing you need to like get this girl out of this cult and then beat up the cult leader who like Mm. has this like drunken dancing style it's some of the most irreverent stuff. And again, this should not work, but somehow it does. Somehow it all comes together in the most enjoyable experience yeah. where like you'll have a couple hours, super serious fighting game. Next, you're running your cabaret make sure all your girls are like happy and stuff. It's kind of the same for like a dragon, except like the fighting system is turn-based based off a of dragon quest yeah. because he's obsessed with dragon quest. Mm-hmm. it's adorable and i love him so much and i want the best in the world but it's so sad and i haven't mm-hmm. gotten that far in it actually because i had to stop because it made me cry yeah yeah and honestly i'm I, i'm not doing a good job explaining yakuza zero but because again it's just one of those things that there's so much stuff happening and i'm gonna ruin it by explaining a lot of it or trying to explain it in words you should just go play it and and also you can play like outrun in the game so that's fun too uh but yeah it's I think available on almost every system except probably Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. It's free on Xbox Game Pass, so absolutely worth the time to check it out. Yeah, Yakuza Zero. What an excellent game. That should not work. Mm-hmm. But it does. Cool. Well, if people wanted to tell us what they think of Yakuza Zero or the podcast, how would they do that, Samson? Just come to our socials. You'll see all our socials on ExplorersWanted.fm. You'll see on Twitter, we are at ExplorersWanted. On Instagram and Facebook, we are at ExplorersWantedPias. On Mastodon, we are at Explorers Wanted at Dice.Camp. But honestly, the best place to hang out with us is our Discord. ExplorersWanted.fm slash Discord. Talk about movies, games, the podcast, I guess. We have a spoiler channel. So do that there. Also, if it is within your means and you're feeling generous and you feel like, oh my god, these people need more money, Patreon.com slash Explorers Wanted is the place to support us. Or you could use our Dice Philly code with Die Dice. Get 10% off your order when you enter in Explorers Wanted at checkout. Yeah. And if you can't financially support us, the best thing you could do is tell your friends, tell them about the show, tell them why you like it, why they should listen to it. Let them know campaign one is finished so they could binge it if they wanted to mm. get it all in one 
one blast. Second best thing is to leave us a five-star written review on a podcast directory like Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. That makes a big difference to people finding the show, and it gives us life inside. And if you didn't like the podcast or you just thought it was meh, well, fear not. He doesn't have you yet. You're thinking of next Tuesday. If you want to reach out to us individually on social media, you can. You find me on Mastodon as Daniel at Anderlich, A-N-E-R-L-I-K dot org. I'm trying to, I'm trying to connect Dan's thing with M. Bison from Street Fighter. It was the most important mm-hmm. day of my life for me. It was only next Tuesday. I'm at Slam Potato on Twitter and at Slam Potato <laughs> at Dyson yeah. on Mastodon. Oh, if you also think that portrayal of M. Bison was really weirdly sexy, <laughs> you can tell me that while I'm on Twitch at T with Unicorn or on Twitter with Realty Unicorn. All right, that's it for us. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week as we will for every week in the foreseeable future. Have a good night, day, weekend, or whenever you're listening to this. And bye! bye. bye.